leadership is an art and a science. In this episode of Essential Leadership Skills, TEDx speaker Rain Bennett discusses important leadership skills and a mindset that are needed to be successful in your career. Join our Director of Operations, Glenn Daniels, and his guest, Rain Bennett. Mr. Bennett is a two-time Emmy-nominated filmmaker, award-winning writer, keynote speaker, and storytelling coach helping people create the lives that only they can lead by using their story. Join us now on Essential Leadership Skills, a discussion with Rain Bennett. This is a Touchstone Publishers presentation, your trusted source of leadership knowledge. Well, 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 everyone, good morning and welcome on board. Yep, just so make sure that we all understand, no matter what time you think it is, it's morning someplace, so just live with it. I just always say good morning because it doesn't matter if I say good morning, I find some high energy in myself. So that's the way we're going to do it. Good morning, Mr. Bennett. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today and share your message. I found in getting ready for your interview and our pre-talk, this is going to be a great, great conversation. So I thank you very much for that. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. We'll start off with what our, is our traditional question. Okay. And that simply is what is unique, powerful about you, your TEDx, or your company that most people just don't know? Something that's unique and powerful that you say, you know what? People just don't know this and let me share it. What is that? I think that this is a great question because they're all they're all kind of tied together and I think that this is starting to emerge as 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 what I might consider my life's mission or at least my business's mission. This this is an idea that I've just been marinating on for a while and I can't get it out of my head and and I think a lot of people struggle with understanding their path forward. Mm. And a lot of people wisely try to learn from people who have been there before or who have d- done it. But I think we try a little too hard to either replicate someone else's path or do what they did or compete with them. And what I am coming to understand very clearly is that we all have our unique paths up the mountain, whatever metaphor you want to use in life, in business. We all have our own unique paths. And that it is not so much about being an expert or being better than someone else, but being different. And we're already innately different because all of us are unique. We all have our unique stories, but hardly any of us leverage those stories and use those stories to create a path, to create a life, to create a business that is based off of our unique story and our unique set of skills, passions, and experiences. And so what my talk is, is about that is nobody cares about your experience or your expertise. They care about your unique perspective. What is the way that you approach what you do that is different than someone else? And that is how you carve out a lane for yourself that no one else exists in, that you don't have any competition in because only you see the the world the way you see it. Now, if you can understand how to build something off of those perspectives, now you really have something that nobody can compete with. You know, I have to agree with you. I was listening to another podcast this morning and it made me start thinking. The guy is just talking about telephones. So everybody on their cell phone, you have a unique tune a unique frequency mm-hmm. then i started thinking about well, everybody on their fingerprints is unique no one no fingerprints are alike from any place across the entire world throughout all of time and i think i would totally agree with you even though sometimes we fight with people you know the social media experts we hire they want you to be exactly like all the other social medias have been acceptable right. uh, all those type of things and i think that really makes a difference and i would agree with you that it uh, well your premise for your talk uh, no one hires you for your expertise i like that and i think it was powerful and i want to pull that apart but first i want to dig into something else because you also said something we talked about in pre-show and i want to get to that but tell us about your journey from the time you conceived that you wanted to do the ted talk to the time that you actually walked up on stage I mean, how difficult was that? How many rejections did you get? Or just tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. I I got a lot of rejections. Now my TED talk is coming up very soon, mm-hmm. but I and I actually wrote about this recently. I have a weekly column because for the longest time I attached myself a little too much to that goal without really asking myself why. You know, and when I first started speaking, which was just a few years ago, I'm still rel- still pretty new to it. I wanted to build uh, my business around it. I knew that it could help, you know, be one of the big dominoes that knocked down the other dominoes. You know, the more I got out there and spoke and shared my ideas, the more business I would probably bring into my into my sphere. 
Right. And and that proved to be true. But at the time, I was sitting with a business coach of mine and a mentor of mine, and I, you know, we were writing down my goals. And TEDx was a goal, and he asked me that question, "Why?" And I I didn't really have an answer for him. You know, now I know that it was like it's really just an ego boost. It was the stamp of approval. It was like to tell people that I was a TED speaker, a TEDx. I got to tell you, you're the first person to actually honestly admit that it's an ego boost. And I would probably guess that most people, that's what it's for because you see it front and center on every bio. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I also right. dealt with that same business coach about putting Emmy nominated in, in my bio, you know, and he, I don't want to digress too much, but he, he made me change my perspective on how I viewed that. Right. Yes. Yeah, but TEDx yeah. speaker is a thing that a lot of us are after the point that I'm trying to illustrate is so often we don't do that simple step of asking ourselves why. When he asked me why, I got defensive. I was like, what do you mean why? Like, because it's because it's TEDx. Like, why wouldn't I is how I felt about it. But the point he wanted to make was, Rain, you can still build a speaking career. You can still use speaking engagements to further your business and to promote your ideas and views on the world, your unique perspectives. TEDx is nice, but you don't need TEDx to be a professional speaker. And, and yeah. And I, and I didn't, I went on to build a speaking career and, and, and got paid well and still getting paid well, even, you know, we just had the, well, just had the pandemic. We're still in it, but like 2020 really stopped speaking gigs. Now we're starting to find our way, way back a little bit. Um, but I went on to build a business around it based off of my ideas on storytelling and on business. And now I never really gave up on the goal. Right. But I stopped making it this front and center thing that I was going after when I had no reason like that. Like, so the question is, OK, let's say you got it in that first year, that first submission. Then what? What comes after that? There was no after that for me. And had I gotten it, mm. I would have been sitting there like, OK, I did that, but it would have led to nothing. Instead, what I did was build a business or that any speaking engagement that I did book logically led to another step. I would get more clients. I would promote my books and courses and things like that. Like it had something, a goal behind the goal. So okay. I, it okay. took a long time for me to, to get over that. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I finally got accepted is, and this is the main point, And I think this is important for people to hear for all the rejections. And there's, there wasn't some people I know have submitted 20 times. Mine was probably more like five to different, different ones, but it was over the course of years and each time still hurt. Yes. But back yes. then I was submitting ideas and talks that I thought they would might accept that I thought they wanted to hear instead of what I did this year, which was, Hey, this is an idea. The one we're talking about today that I can't stop thinking about. I've been ruminating on it. I've been writing about it. I've been talking with coaching clients about it. Like I can't get this out of my mind and I want to go shout it from the rooftops. And I don't care if TEDx takes it or not. I'm going to continue to push this idea because I think it's so profound and I think it will really impact a lot of people. So when I went to them and pitched it with that type of attitude, not from a mindset of scarcity, but from a mindset of like abundance and full belief in this thing, it was like, hey, here's an idea that I think is awesome. And if y'all don't accept it, that's okay. I didn't put so much pressure on it. And I yes. think for, for two reasons. One, I think it's a good idea that's worth spreading and not just an idea that I think that they would like, right? It's genuinely right. an exactly. idea exactly. worth spreading. Exactly. And secondly, I didn't come out at it with that desperate, you know, vibe, frequency, whatever you want to call it. I think that stuff really, really matters. You know, it's like when you're desperately chasing something, you'll try to grip onto it so tightly that it slips through your fingers, right? That happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper because when we talked about that in pre-show, I started thinking about my career and how I started, once I kind of started saying, I don't need that client. I don't need that client. Oh, that's a big day. It just, all of a sudden, now you start to get booked during the pandemic. Yeah, it's crazy. I said, I don't need to really work. I can just retool what I really want to do and that's create this this platform around right now, this online membership magazine not membership but online magazine mm -hmm. i got so fired into that because i started thinking okay this is what i want to do this is the mission i can get out i do believe that a lot of us miss that the abundance and scarcity because we i think a lot of tedx speakers operate from scarcity yeah i have to get this to improve my career yeah but like you what don't. you're saying the abundance yeah, you, you don't have to have it. I mean, it's it's like my you know mentor at the time said it's it's a nice to have. Now I'm not saying that for some people their their 
wouldn't be a real purpose behind getting that. But the goal is to make you think about where is this going? What's the goal behind the yes, goal? Yes. Okay, so you get the TEDx. What do you hope to achieve from that? I had no answer to that question. And so when my business coach asked me that, I was like, what do you mean? Why? And he, was, he wasn't provoking me. He was just saying yes. like, well, why yeah. is that a goal of yours? And I had yeah. no answer for that. And the point is we should have an answer for that. Why is your goal? Why is my goal to book speaking gigs now? Well, one, it's another revenue stream. Two, it pushes my ideas. I almost always book a coaching client or a video yes, production client, yes. which is my main source of, yes. of income from those speaking gigs because I have proven my unique perspectives and my thoughts on video production, on storytelling, on these things that I provide and I do. So when someone hears me speak, they say, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about or more appropriately, I think he could really help us because there's a lot of people who know what they're talking about. The point is to get to the, to where you fit your clients very well. As I like to say, plenty of people out there have your skills, lots of people, and many of them are more skilled than you are, but nobody in this whole world has your story, which influences your approach to the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Had a comment uh, from someone who said, you know, Love your point on why you have to kind of understand why you need to get it done, and I think that's so powerful. It's, I agree with that. You know that we could have a whole talk on that because that being self aware is the first step to 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 overcoming obstacles and achieving goals in anything. And that small, simple one word question, you know, puts a, makes us so defensive. It can be so provoking at times or provocative, but it answers so much. And hardly any of us ask ourselves that. And when we start doing that. It opens up so many doors of opportunity. We learn so much about ourselves. And that this is like emotionally. This is like, why did I react that way? Why do I feel that way about this subject? So many of us just go through life and we react and we do things and we never ask ourselves why. And when you do, you understand that, hey, this is why. And so this is what I should be doing. Or maybe there is no real reason. And maybe that's not something I should be dedicating my time and energy and money to because I have no real purpose for doing it, but we just, we, we get caught in the, in the race. I want to ask you because you just said something that if we're going to label it the way it's been labeled now, emotional intelligence, if we ask ourselves, why does that help us with our emotional intelligence score? Why do we behave this way? Why do we react this way? Why do people react to me this way? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that, that's all of it, but then it actually leads to your, you know, your actual like intelligence. So, but first you just mm-hmm. got to understand because it can really limit the things that you're able to accomplish when you don't ask yourself that question. If you want to be a permanent learner and get better and better, which I personally do, then you have to be aware of your flaws. You have to be aware of what is influencing your thoughts and it's always emotions. So it takes a little bit to dig in there. That's why you can't you can't just be like, why? And then immediately answer yourself. And that's why people don't do it often, because it's challenging. It's not easy. You can't just say, why do I feel that way about this subject? And immediately yourself responds and just says, oh, because of this, when you were a child, it really, you know, it really right, impacted right. you and, and, and influenced right. the way you view the world for the rest of your life. No, it takes a little bit of work to figure that out. It takes a little bit of work to figure that out. I want to step back just a little bit, though. Do you think it's sometimes okay to say why and not really have a purpose, but do it anyway because it's what you want to do? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There are things I fully believe that that you should just do for the love of the game, for passion, right? Absolutely. Okay. When we're talking about business, when we're talking about leadership, when we're talking about trying to achieve goals, that's a different story. But sometimes like, I do think you, there's still a lot of value in asking yourself why, like, why did I do that? Why did it, you know, mm-hmm. why, why do I want to do this thing? But I don't, I, I, I don't always think that you have to have this achievement goal attached to it. There's a lot that you can do just for the sheer happiness. And in fact, I think it was Seth Godin, who's a marketing, you know, guru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, right, right. <laughs> I really look yeah, up yeah, to, yeah. but I think he said, uh, I believe it was him who said, like, you should always have a hobby that you don't do, like that you're not good at and that you don't do for money. Right. That's just something you just do for the love of, game, of the game. And I and I I feel like um, I feel like that is uh, I totally agree with that. For me, I like I, I play soccer. I've always played soccer. I play in a men's league now. I play pick up on Sundays. And hey, I still constantly want to get better. And so I learn and I might uh, practice and I might work on things and I might watch, you know, people that I look up to. Um, 
But, you know, why do I go out and do it on Sunday morning when I didn't sleep much Saturday night because I have a newborn? I don't necessarily need because I love it. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's the answer. And that's enough. OK. Yeah, yeah, there doesn't need enough. to be a goal behind the goal. But there is somewhere because the goal is peace of mind. The goal is physical fitness. The goal is camaraderie yeah. with the other people yes. out there. So yeah. there is still something there, but it doesn't always have to be attached to this like i must achieve i must achieve i must achieve it if yeah, that's kind of where you're driving yeah absolutely absolutely i wanted to ask you just for the order of things uh well you haven't done your ted talk yet but you got your two uh enemy nominations yeah uh when you got those were you already in the abundance thinking or oh you, no <laughs> no there's a whole story attached to those to those as well i struggled with that that's why and i alluded to this earlier with my business coach i didn't want to put that in my bio because I didn't win those Emmys. So I'm oh, still boy. struggling with that to this day. And here's, oh, I, I think this is a good point to make. I'm glad you yeah. brought this up. I don't talk about this a lot. Uh, it doesn't, you know, we always talk about storytelling. This is a good point because my business coach, his, his name is David. And, and he, he said the way he changed my perspective on it, he was like, well, think about all those people back home. I grew up in a small town in, in North Carolina of like nine or 10,000 people. Yeah, yeah. All the people look up, look up to me, you know, for, for some of the things that I've, I've done. And he's like, think about those people that, that you really got, look up to. And if you are like looking at it as like a failure or like that, it's not worth mentioning and it's not important, like, ah, that's lame. Well, I didn't win. And he's like, think about them because they're saying, well, I haven't been nominated for an Emmy. I actually thought it was pretty cool. You're kind of disrespecting them, right? Yeah, by, yeah. by, by looking at it as just like a failure is like, because now you're making them something that they think is actually awesome. You're making it sound like you're ungrateful for it. And it's like, yo, it could be a lot different. And so when he said that, I was like, man, that's such a great way to flip the script on that and change your perspective. And that's a bit, another big key. One is asking ourselves why and others sometimes understanding how you can flip the script and reframe a thought so that you do shift from that scarcity to that abundance mindset. Because at first, and still I struggle with it, I still see, you know, the, the Emmy nominated and, and be like, oh, we were so close. I, I, want, I wanted that. Um, and, and, but you know, I went, yeah. I went on and built a career being a documentary filmmaker and it's changed my life. And I've been able to help others change their lives. You know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, but, uh, but I was not at that point yet. That's absolutely great coaching. And you don't realize you just coached me because I had that same experience with, uh, Pulitzer nominated. I, oh. didn't it. I didn't want to put it on you know, my business coach and saying, wow. you got to put it on, you got to put it on. I said, but I didn't win it. So now you're, you know, now you kind of really removed any other excuse. I was saying the other day, I should take <laughs> that off because I didn't win it. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, okay, wait a minute though. And what I got to start doing, I hope everybody will start doing the same thing. You get something, don't discount it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's nominated. It didn't win. But how many people want to be nominated and don't get nominated? Yeah, that's what changed my perspective more than... You know, any any coach, I think, will want you to put those things that you've done well out there. You know, if you're a best-selling author, put it out there um, because of the credibility that it provides if you're trying to get future work. I do understand that value, but really it was looking at it from that other perspective that made, that made me be okay with it and be proud of it. And yeah. you know what? Speak. I just was speaking about the soccer. Uh, soccer. I was playing in a game last Wednesday night, and we won – uh, five to nothing, beat, beat the dust off of this team. And as I was leaving, some of the other team were looking and I said, hey, Rain, what did you get nominated for two Emmys for? And I'm like, how do you guys know that? And yeah, we all had exactly, like a exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it still follows me. And those, the whole team that we just beat five to nothing turned and looked because they were interested. That's, an, that's a perfect example of like, that meant a lot to them. They were so curious. They wanted to know more about me. They're like, I had no idea you did that sort of thing. That is what we're looking to do is make connections with people. And that's a perfect example of how just putting that on my bio. I don't even know where they saw it, but it's on my bio now. And that piqued their interest enough to even though after they're, you know, discouraged from, from getting beat. Did I mention that we beat them five or nothing? Uh, <laughs> no, they, you didn't. They, 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 <laughs> they still they still wanted to reach out and like connect more with that. That's what we're looking to do is connect more deeply with people. So that's a perfect example of it happening in real life and not just me talking about it. I'm going to back that up also into the abundance versus scarcity. Had you been operating from the scarcity, you would have been out telling them that. Right. But abundance said just let it flow to you. Yeah, it's going exactly. To, and it comes back. Exactly. More, more and that, that's forward. a perfect example. It, it, it flowed to me there. I didn't go out and try to chase anything that came to me. And that's what that kind of, that's what that kind of thing does, you know? 
That's so good. You gave me some great coaching there. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting to get coached this morning, but you coached me up. I'm good. <laughs> hey, when you're a coach, it just like happens. You can't it help happens. it. You slip into that mindset. Yep. It coached me up a little bit. Let's drop into a little bit more of your uh, TED Talk itself. You mentioned that find the unique intersection that you can build a business from. Tell us what you mean by that. Give us an example. In other words, coach me again. I'll give you a story. Okay. This happened and also came from another mentor of mine uh, who, who I had a session with. Now, I have always struggled. We've talked about the soccer already. I've always been an athlete. I've played every sport. I've coached. I, I, I've, I'm into fitness. That's always been a part of my life. I've also always been an artist, uh, a writer. I've been in plays and musicals and show choir. And you know, it was always, that was always a part of my life, too. Now, I never saw someone navigate both of those worlds in where oh. I came from. So, so, so much so that it, it, it forced, not forced me, but it, it compelled me to keep those worlds compartmentalized for my whole life. I didn't see how they could mesh together. And so my, you know, my, my fitness and my sports friends would think, you know, they wouldn't know just like the other day that I was a filmmaker and doing these things, or they'd think I was sensitive or nerdy because I, I like Broadway musicals. I admit was in musicals, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then my artsy friends would think I was a meathead because I'd be doing like push-ups and pull-ups all day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yep, and yep, so, yep, yep, and yep. so I always fought and struggled with these two identities. Now we're going to talk about flipping the script, right? And changing the perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was talking to a business coach about what I was struggling with. And I told him that story and he said, he sat back as, as a good coach can do objectively looking from the top down and said, you know, rain, that's actually a pretty unique intersection. Hmm. And just at that moment, I realized like I've been fighting to keep these two things apart and struggling to keep them apart because they're both me. I can't get rid of them. I could right. never not be one of those things because they are me. I'm still play soccer. I still make films and listen to musicals. All that's all me. That's who I am as a person. That's the crux of the whole talk, right? Yeah, Finding yeah, who yeah. you are and how you can build something out of it. So when I sat back and let go of that scarcity mindset, right, that I had of these two identities and just let go, they flowed together. Hmm. What if we are a health and wellness, a health and happiness filmmaker. Now that's a pretty unique lane to be in. I don't see a lot of competition in that lane, right? You know what? You just landed on something I think is important. I don't want, don't mean to interrupt you, but I do mean oh, to interrupt uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> they always talk about niche, be in the niche, build yep. for the niche. Yep. Just that, of you letting go and let those two things come together, created a niche that totally. works for you. Totally. Now here, here's where we're going with it. The goal is to figure out, once you establish that niche in those unique intersections, is identifying who, what groups of people would benefit from your unique perspectives and, and intersections, right? Because in my unique lane, I have a view on filmmaking. I have a view on the world. I have a view on storytelling that no one else has, right? Because no one else has right. my story. And so even if they try to copy it, they can't because yeah, it's not because, their story. Yes, right. And that, that's a point, too, is we try to copy people that we look up to. I'm not saying don't pull clues from success. Success leaves clues, right? I'm not saying don't learn from people who are, have done what you're trying to do. But at some point, you have to understand that to really make headway and make your own career, you need to establish your path. It can be influenced by people. But, yeah, copying somebody is not going to get there. So once you understand and once I understood that unique intersection, then I could understand how to build a business off of it because I started my thesis, right? The way I viewed the world and viewed the work that I do started to emerge. Once that becomes clear and you understand your core belief, then you can build a world around it and you can identify, hey, what are the types of people that would really benefit most from the way I view what I do. Mm. And then that cleans up your marketing a whole lot. Oh, a whole lot. That's everything oh. is understanding who, who you're talking to. Along the way, I found that whether it's in fitness or soccer or boxing or filmmaking or storytelling or social media marketing, the people that I help the most and the most effectively are beginners. Are people trying to get from zero to one or one to two? I'm not training world-class athletes how to compete for world championships. 
I'm not helping um, Apple or Coca-Cola tell great stories. They have agencies that do that. They are some of the best in the world. Budweiser, you know, these big brands that have these great heartfelt commercials, right? I'm helping women get their first pull-ups, right? People get their first pull-ups and push-ups. Or in the storytelling space now in this part of my life, I'm helping people who are overworked and don't know what, how to use cameras and they know they should be doing videos on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, but they don't know where to start. I'm helping them understand, hey, start here with understanding how to tell stories and take action. And then as you get better, you can add tools to the toolbox. But that's the type of person that I'm helping. Marketers that, you know, nonprofits that have, have a one-person marketing team, entrepreneurs, small businesses, these people who really need help. There's a mountain above them. And they don't know how to even start because they don't have huge budgets and they don't have huge teams and they're all wearing multiple hats. These are the people that I help the most. Okay, so when we talk about that unique intersection and that creates that niche, and that creates that marketing, that's how you're actually talking about the, creating the ideal client for yourself. Mm -hmm. Being able to identify the ideal client for yourself. So that's really not that difficult. Or is it difficult? I mean, how would you coach somebody to deal with that area? So it is, it's not difficult, but like we said earlier with the asking yourself why it takes some time. It's not an immediate thing. So the process that I help people go through in finding their unique intersections is basically a three part Venn diagram of your skills, your passions, and your experiences. Now that is the key. Your experiences are any you know, who you come from, where you come from, any unique communities that you belong to that have shaped your view of the world, right? I came from the coast, from like a fishing community and a farming community. That's influenced the way I view the world. It might right. not land its way in the middle of that Venn diagram. So what I do, but it has influenced the way I, I, I you know, see the world. Sure. And so we're looking at these experiences that, you know, I had a, I had an alcoholic father. How has that changed who I am as a person? That's changed it a lot, right? Growing up as a kid, the way I view things is, is a lot differently. And the way that I operate, this is asking ourselves why, right? Why do you respond that way? Oh, because of this. You know, so it, it is kind of therapeutic. It takes some time and you have to be willing to ask yourself those questions and listen. And the metaphor or the analogy that I often use is it's kind of like doing a 500 or a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, right? If you were to, to take that, take it out of the box and usually the pieces come in a box or maybe they come in a bag. And if you were trying to take out one piece at a time and put that puzzle together, how long do you think it would take? Like you, you yeah. you'd never do it. Right. So it what do you do? Yeah. You, you dump them all out on the table, you flip them over, you scatter them all around you get, you make the table really messy or whatever you're, you're doing all, you make it really messy. It's scattered all over the place. You can't see how anything is connected. Right. All you see is the thousand jigsaw puzzles scattered out on your kitchen table. And then what happens? You see a corner piece. Yeah. Then you see yeah, some edges. edges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you yeah. see, oh, there's like 12 blue ones here. And you look, you know, you look back and you see there's a blue circle on the image you're trying to create. Okay, so they must go together. The picture starts to emerge, starts to reveal itself, right? But the first thing you have to do is dump it all out on the table and get real messy. So similarly, you got to dig deep in here and it's kind of like therapy. A lot of my coaching clients have said that at least in this initial session, because we're taking all these experiences and all the things I've learned over my X amount of years, however old you are and dumping them out on that table and seeing what unique creative ways they fit together to create a picture, to create an image, to create a story. Right? So it's not difficult, but it is a little challenging and, and it's it's not easy either, right? It take it takes some time. However, it's imperative because what you learn from that, that what people learn from the first hour with me, and I've done this live in workshops too, is profound. And it could just be seeing two things that fit together, like me, like the health health and wellness uh, affinity that I had for you know that sort of thing, and filmmaking and realizing what if you put those together? Or you know, just me understanding that, hey, this experience in your childhood, that's probably why you ended up being in the restaurant business. And when people see that and they're like, <gasps> now they understand their purpose, their why, their passion behind it. And now they can clearly articulate why they do what they do. It's not because I'm a chef and I just cook like every other chef in, on the block. It's because when I was 12 years old, I lived, for Fran lived in France for, for a summer. 
and it changed the way I view the world. And I learned how to cook from boom. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? The world is your world of business is completely different now because you have that unique story. My brother is a chef. He didn't go to France. He's got his own story and he right, uses that right. every day when he's talking to his potential clients and they buy, they eat it up. Well, I have to kind of challenge, play devil's advocate here a little Come bit. Come on, let's go. Good, because you're going to have people who, like, when of course. we first started talking about this a couple of weeks ago, I said, wait a minute, though. I, if you ask me that, I'm going to probably deep down on the course say, hey, there is, I mean, there is no story. There, there, is, there is no story. There is no experience that I can cross over because I don't really, I've trained myself throughout time. And people have trained themselves throughout time to discount the past. Went through a workshop where it just became really aware to me. What is easy for us is exceptional for other people. What we do easily oftentimes is exceptional for mm. other people. Yeah. So we're trained that way. Mm. We're trained to, like you and I, we both discounted our um, our nominations. We both discounted those. We're trained to do it that way. Right. How do you break me out of that? How do you? How do I break you out of that mindset of? Yeah, I haven't really done anything. There's not any really great stories I can tell about my past or that I want to yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. So th that what you're what you're saying is a is is a problem with people. A lot of people f feel that way. Sometimes their stories are too big, and sometimes they think they're not profound enough. This is yeah. a great point. Your story, first of all, stories are happening all around us at all times of the day. So the story doesn't have to be this tra big transformational event. That happened when, you know, living, living in France for three months when you're 12, right? Stories right. happen right now. What's happening right now is, is a story. Whether it would compel someone to create change in their lives, I don't know. But the journey we're going on right now, there is a beginning and a middle and end to, to, to our conversation right now, right? And if we want to zoom out a little bit, it started a few weeks ago when we first talked. And now we're kind of coming to the climax and to the end of Stories are happening at all times. To that person who believes that, it's actually small stories often are the ones that resonate the most, not epic tales. Because the, the reason why stories are so effective and impactful is because they create connection. They create a shared feeling, shared emotions with people. That's why we latch on to them. Because even though we didn't have that experience, we have most likely had that emotion, had that feeling, right? So... It's not so much you, if you're doing something unrelatable, it's not so much these big events that nobody has ever experienced before that's going to relate. It's the lessons learned. It's the feelings felt. Right. So it's not so much about being in France. It's what happened from that. And being in France could be going to summer camp for me as a kid. Right. It, right it's right, about exactly. what you learn and the transformation that happened and the emotion and the feelings that you felt. And so. To that person who thinks that uh, I don't really have anything you know, that exciting, it's not about being exciting. It's about being real. It's about being human. It's about saying, hey, okay. I felt this way and this thing happened and it taught me something else and I learned something and now I feel this way or I see the world this way. Or, hey, I started with this problem and I didn't know how to figure it out. So then I tried this, didn't work. Tried that, didn't work. Then I was like, what if I tried this and I did it? And it completely changed the way I do my business now. Well, how powerful would that be for people to get a hold of that, but especially leaders to get a hold of it? Hey, I got to get this message across about change or something like that. How powerful would it be for them to learn to start telling stories that are authentic? I, I, you know, clearly I'm biased. This is the work that I do. Yeah. But I don't think that I'm alone in, in what I'm about to say at all. I think it is the most powerful tool that we as humans have access to is our ability to communicate, our ability to clearly communicate what we're trying to say in our ideas. And the way that we do that is as humans. We won't be able to work as fast as robots. We won't be able to be as smart. But we as humans work together and inspire change through stories, through narrative. That is how we deliver and digest information it's how we always have since the beginning of humanity right this is how it happens not through lists of data points not through powerpoint presentations behind us through 
stories, telling stories to other humans. So how powerful could it be is the question. It's powerful for everybody. Everybody needs to understand how to communicate better. But for leaders, it's imperative. It's vital. If you don't know how to communicate to your team in a way that inspires them to do the things that, that your company, your business needs, that inspires them to make the changes, that inspires them to, to yes. take yes. value and believe in themselves and want to do great things, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your yep. team is not going to last very long. So that's where the inspiration comes from. That's powerful. That's it's inspiration, but it's yeah. also information. We and think teaching, yeah. I yeah, agree. I see, oft, yeah I see often people think that it's either I need to give them information or I give them a story. Like here's the art and here's the science, but it's not. They're together. Stories are the way that we communicate information, not through data sets and lists. We weave that data and those statistics and that information into the story. As humans, we're cycle, we're neurologically designed to to ingest, digest information through narrative format. Okay, so it's not one or the other. Like, hey, this makes you feel good and just inspires people, and then over here we'll give them the information in a in a spreadsheet. You know that that lets it. No, you. This is how we communicate, and it's an art and a science, and it's informative and inspiring. I think that's uh, it's missing from a lot of uh, educational things. I'm glad you said that. What the opening, you know, stated. You know, being a leader is an art and science. It's not. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that down because so is story. Yep, yep. I wrote that down because that's what it, I mean. That's what it kind of is. I want to also just push something though because it kind of fits into this idea of creating a core belief statement. Mm. It feels like that core belief should also be a state uh, a story. That you, or at least you can back it up with a story. But yeah. what did you mean by a core belief statement? Craft a core belief. A core belief statement is not, it's not necessarily an outward statement like a, like you may see a mission statement or or a vision statement that some companies right. have out there. A core belief statement is 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 kind of the narrative drumbeat that your brand just bangs over and over again. It's what you stand for, what you believe in. More importantly, it's what has influenced your approach, your unique approach to the work that you do. Mm. Where it came from in my world was I have what a friend of mine called multi-passionitis. I have a lot of different interests. <laughs> I'm involved in a lot of different projects. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm a speaker. I'm a coach. I'm a podcast host. The list goes on and on. So the thing I was struggling with before I had my epiphany, which is about four years ago now, with mm -hmm. the unique intersections was bouncing from thing to thing, just trying to be successful. Oh, I need a TEDx talk. Oh, I'll go try to do this TV show because it's, I think it might get on TV instead of because it aligns with my goals and my vision and my purpose. You know, I was chasing things going yes. in circles. Yeah. Yep, yep, so yep, okay. for me, what the core belief statement does is creates this central belief that, that your brand or that you stand for, that you believe in that influences the projects that you do. So in that, case it is the unifying narrative thread that weaves all those things together so now i can be a podcast host and a speaker and a writer and a filmmaker and they're not all segmented they're all part of the rain bennett brand because they're all tied to that central core belief of how okay. i view the work that you do so and you see all good brands have that have that 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 kind of core belief which is just if i'm putting out an instagram post right something small that belief should be apparent. I should show, not tell it. That's why I'm saying it's an internal statement so that I know, hey, it doesn't really align with my brand for me to post about this thing, right? Because okay. here's my core belief statement. Does this, if I take this one post and look and compare it and cross-reference it to that core belief statement, does it align? Does it fit in? And if it doesn't, you can scoot that on. Now, for me, who's in, involved in a bunch of things, I might be posting about soccer. I might be posting about the football team. I might be posting about random things. And then there's no alignment. There's no unity. It's like, who are you? What do you stand for? The whole thing that I'm talking about is yeah. clearly identifying your unique perspective. Or if it's all over the place, nobody's going to know. And nobody's going to know how you can help them if you're all over the place. So that core belief statement is the anchor that keeps all the work that you do grounded together in one unit, even when it's multiple projects. You know, what is... I follow you, but I'm a little bit confused because it sounds like uh, this core statement is a personal statement and you allow that to, to drive and put your work together. Is it just personal? I mean, you said marketing, but is it both? I don't quite understand, not marketing, but I don't quite understand how business 
help me out with that. Sure, uh, absolutely. No, it, it, it could be personal, but only if it's aligned with the projects that you're doing. You could have a different core belief statement per, per project. So the statement is like, I believe in this blank, in this philosophy. I believe this thought about the world, your, your unique perspective. And so I offer blank these results. I offer mm. this is the, the solutions I provide people to these people blank to to blank these people by providing dot 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 these are your systems your processes your products if you have them okay. so for mine it would be something like i believe that storytelling is the most effective way to connect as humans and so i i offer the ability to tell great stories and make a deeper impact on your audience to small business owners, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits by offering coaching, keynote speeches, and workshops, something like that. I mean, that's not yeah. precisely, but that's, precisely. that's just something off, like you know, off the cuff, something like it would be. So it actually leads into more. Okay. I track with you a little bit. Okay. I want to ask you also a little a statement you made. Um, and I want to see if you can explain this to me. And I added one over to it, but over and over again. And I decided it's over and over and over times 10 again. Tell us about that. This actually leads, or what we were just talking about, leads perfectly yeah. into this. Because another misconception or thing that people get wrong about stories, you alluded to one where it's like, I don't really have a compelling story to tell. So many people think that. Also, sometimes, many times, people think, I've told that story already. Like, I don't want to just keep saying it. Like, people are going to get bored of that, aren't they, if I keep saying it? And the answer is flatly, no, they won't. And as your brand continues to grow, you'll get new people. But this is about enforcing what it is you stand for. Once you have that core belief statement, that's why I also kind of called it a narrative drumbeat, right? This is, you're going to bang that over and over again. There's going to be two to three core values that, that are pillars upon which your brand sits atop, right? right Rest right. upon the foundation. There's only a couple of them, two to three maximum, right? And that should be very clear. And you should tell people over and over and over again. You bang that drumbeat, just like a commercial jingle, right? If we hear, you know, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, we know what that no. is. That's because yeah. it's banged over and over and over again. If we heard that one commercial... It wouldn't stick in our heads. It's over and over and over again. Think about the people that you look up to, entrepreneurs you look up to, or content creators you look up to. Um, you know, I ask people this often and more than once when I ask people, like, who's an entrepreneur you look up to? Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk comes up. I'll use him as, as an example. Whether you like okay. him or not, I mean, he's, I think he's a pretty likable guy. Yeah, but yeah. you should be able to sum up someone like that and what they stand for, their core belief statement, but just let's just use it in bullet points. In two to three, two to three words. Are you familiar with, with Gary V? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if I saw him, I'd say three things. I mean, if you know, if I had to do this with him, I'd say that his what he stands for, the pillars upon which that brand, his brand stands for, are empathy, content creation, and and I think the, like the flip game. You know, like take, you know, he loves trading cards. He loves going to garage sales. Like he loves taking one dollar and turning it into 10 on a macro, on a huge scale and on small scales. He loves that game. That's embedded. Those three things are embedded in every post he will ever do is something about that so that you know what the Gary V brand is. Right. Right. And, right, it, right, and anyone right. else that's successful in that manner will have the same the same thing. Want you know wh whoever I mean if you're into finances whatever whatever you're into if you're into sports like whomever you look up to has a brand about them that, that they stand for and if you're trying to build a business off of that brand hmm. then you have to constantly hit that and people will not get tired of it you may want to say it in fresh ways yes but don't think that you've said that already and you can't say enough I've told the story that I've told here today more times than I can count and I will never stop telling it because that is the story of what led me to the way I view the world now and view the work that I do. That story will never get old, right? Because people will always be out there looking for their moment and their story and their little epiphany or light bulb to go all so that they can achieve similar results. You know, and I'm going to add on to that. Uh, someone that I had the pleasure of working with who's a monster in the industry now, just a monster. Uh, he does a particular workshop and he tells the same stories in the workshop 
Absolutely. Year after year after year after 20 years, telling the same story. He said that one time he changed the stories. He decided to change it. And a few people attacked him and said, hey, we came out to hear those we stories. We wanted to hear, yeah, play we the hits. Heard it 10 times in a row. Yeah, mm. But they want to hear that same story. Over and over again, just like you said, the jingle, just the power of repeating your um, and locking that in. This is a good point where, we, and it ties back into where we started when we're thinking about ourselves and our own voices in our head and not uh, about the people we're trying to impact. So with the Emmy nominated and the Pulitzer Prize nominated, we're in our own heads, right? Scarcity mindset, ego driven, insecurity. I shouldn't put it in there because I got nominated. When I flipped the script and thought about the people who, who support me, and how they actually thought it was awesome. And if I, if I, you know, crap on it, it's kind of crapping on them, you know, because they're yeah, like, well, I thought right. it was awesome. Right. So it's, it, it's the same thing here when you're telling your stories and in your mind, your insecurities telling you like, I've said that over and over again, I got to switch it up. I'm bored to death. That might be true. Like a popular musician who's played that song time and time and time again, of course they're tired of playing it. Right. Right. But if you didn't play the hits at the concert, who's going to be suffering from that? You're going to be feeling better because you've played that song Great a million analogy. times. But how Great do you think analogy. your audience is going to feel? Great now, when analogy. you flip the script and start considering them, you will always play the hits because you know that's what they came there for. And that's why they paid 100 bucks for the ticket, not because of your new stuff that's a little like abstract. They want to hear the hits. So the same thing, if, if you started veering off and, and, and stopped telling, telling that story, mm. the reaction would be the same as it was the, your friend. I'm so glad you told that story because that's so accurate. The people want to hear. It's not about you and that voice in your head that's trying to psych you out. It will be there always. You know, and I throw this out there. You will always have one hater. At one least. person <laughs> who, will come, who will come at you and say, well, you told that story before. Or one person will come to you and say, well, why would you even put that on there? You didn't win. You know, um, one guy came to me and said, you know, I was trying to verify your win. I said, it says nominated. Oh, well, then I don't know why you have it on there. One out of however many people have seen that now. And so you got to get out of your head with these things. Yeah. You got to tell. And that's a very powerful. That's why I said over and over and over again times 10 because or over and over again to the 10th power, because you have to be able to do that. I would love that point. You know, I want to make a point about what you just said, because sometimes it's hard to just let that pass when you hear somebody say something, especially if they say it kind of like a little rude, which sometimes people can. We're all yeah. human. We all have feelings, mm -hmm. right? And here's a point, like, besides, because it's real easy to say, like, 99% of the people love it. Don't worry about that person. But that's not always easy because you, you heard it. It's out there. You, you know, right. you, you are human. You have feelings. And despite the old adage, words do hurt, right? But... Yes. Yeah. What I have found is, and I think I can say this confidently, 0% of the time would that person have been your client, right? And and then that changed their minds about you. It's always somebody who just wants to, they're in their own heads, dealing with their own issues, and they just want to get their opinion out there. It's never somebody who you were about to book, and then they read that, and then they didn't choose you. It's always just a troll. It's always just you know someone out there. So that's what's helped me is like, are they my audience? And if they're not, then it doesn't matter because that's who I'm speaking to. I can't help everybody in the world. We already talked about it. I help beginners. I help beginners that are ready to to begin, basically. So I don't help you know super duper pros, and I don't help people who aren't ready to do the work. Which, if someone is at that stage where they're trying to pick apart something like that, they're not ready to do the work we're about to do. They aren't going to show up authentically and vulnerably for the work that I need them to do. So that's what helps me sleep at night and let that pass is knowing that like. We wouldn't we fit good. together anyway. Even if you yeah. wanted to hire me already, your attitude is we're not a match. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. You know, and that, that's a very powerful way to look at that too. Um, you know, 0% of the time, you wouldn't want them to be your clients. You wouldn't want to work with that type of person. That's a very mm -hmm. good way to look at it. And they weren't going to be a client anyway, so they didn't no. lose anything. Yeah, they weren't coming for you and you, and you weren't coming for them. So it's just like, cool, man. Sorry you feel that way. Scoot on. Move on, yep. I'm not sorry for that way. I don't care that you feel that way. That's why I kind of got on. Well, that, yeah. I mean, because you have identified at this point, if you've gone through this process, you've identified who you are here to serve. And when you clearly identify that, that basically means by default, all those other people that aren't that, you don't you don't serve them. And so if, yes. if this is not somebody that you're actively trying to serve, then what difference does it make? They can feel however they want to feel. They can criticize whatever they want to criticize. 
And if you're really big on the empathy game, you know that you're that person is coming from a place of pain and scarcity themselves to even do that, you know? So they're dealing with their own issues. And what you can do is just wish them well and say, Hey, good luck. You know, for you to voice something like that and be snarky like that is like, you got some real, you got some darkness going on that you're going to have to yeah, navigate. Yeah, and, hey know, buddy, that's your journey. <laughs> and you don't need to strike back. I mean, you know, no. temptation would have been to say for me, I mean, someone said, well, did you ask them what have they done? No, you know, that doesn't help anything. Never just, strike okay, back. Yeah, there's yeah. no need. There's no need to feed the trolls. Because it's gonna. Uh, that's what I try to tell people too. Who do these live broadcast? Uh, they, they get the haters on with the comments. Just ignore them. Yeah, you Don't fuel a fire yeah. by breathing air into it, right? You end the fire by smothering it. But you, by, but you by, hurt the people who are listening to you. What's they're that? not in, you hurt the people who are listening to you they're not into that they want to hear that story that you're yeah. sharing the power yeah. and I that. anyway that's a whole another thing yeah, yeah that's another <laughs> we could talk about yeah. that for a while yeah yeah, yeah. so i want to ask you because actually i guess the time i promised you that i would stay within we've already exceeded that but that's fine because <laughs> i got some more questions so if you have the time let's yeah, like, roll i love doing okay. this stuff okay all right so now you haven't did this gotten it the tedx you haven't actually recorded it yet but the building of this, how did this change your life or your business? You know, I have to say, we gave that long story in the beginning about how, you know, asking ourselves why, why? Mm -hmm. and that we didn't need this. But at the same time, I never really let go of the goal. So it is a goal accomplished that I'm very proud of. And when I posted it, we talked about that stamp of approval. It is still a stamp of approval. Like, let's not. So is Emmy nominated, by the way. So is Pulitzer Prize nominated, by the way. Stamps of approval. Yeah, right. Yes. And that means something, whether our own stories in, in our head or agree with that or not. Right. That means something. So when I posted it and say, hey, I just got selected for TEDx and I wrote the story that, you know, that I told here today in a in a blog, uh, People lost. I mean, people were so excited. Where can I get tickets? They were all for it. So, I mean, I'm very public about my life, you know, the wins and the struggles. I, I put all my stuff out there, uh, but people were so supportive of that. So, that, you know, one, it was just like I felt that support immediately and people would want to 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 be there, you know, if they could. Two, it was a goal achieved, right, that, that, that I accomplished. I think, though, the thing that has really changed me from it from the acceptance was back to the delivery of it was that I, mm. from a place of abundance shared an idea, like the, the acceptance means that I'm like on to something, right? Because the other ones that I had submitted again were just what I thought might be clever or what I thought they may want. The judges may want to hear. Like I, I was trying to just be like, yeah, like clever, like, oh, you know, maybe maybe this would work. It wasn't just an idea that I genuinely thought was worth spreading. Again, I'm here talking about this idea here today. I was on a podcast yesterday. I will shout this from the rooftops, TEDx or not. That's an idea worth spreading because I'm actively out there trying to spread. So when I submitted it, it came with that energy. Now, what I've learned from that is like, one, I'm on to something. Two, I'm getting better at sharing my vision because I did it in a way that it, it, it those people responded to it. They got me on a, a phone call afterwards for like the first round of interviews after the submission process. Yeah. And I talked to them more about it. And I went more in depth like we're doing here. And they were like, oh, I get it. It totally, it, it, it totally, it totally works. And so that's the part that has me inspired is that I'm excited now moving forward because I know that I have something that's resonating with people and therefore will help me serve the people that I'm trying to serve and make an impact and help people create the change they're seeking to, to create. So I can maybe see if this is correct. It sounds like you're saying that this helped you get more into the mindset of abundance. You're absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because now, you know, again, it flows to you and this is another one flowing to me. And, and, and when that happens, you know, kind of like when they say it rains, it pours like now it, it, it breeds more of that abundance mindset. So that's the right. thing that's problem when you want something so desperately, it's kind of like a paradox. You want something so desperately, you chase it away. When you stop needing it and wanting it so much, it starts to flow to you. And that compounds the more that flows to you, the more flows to you. Right. The more connections you make, the more yeah. depth you create, like it's 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 it's. It's almost unfair to that person who I was in, in years past that needs something so desperately they're, you know, they're just struggling to hang on. 
And that's why it's it's really hard because it's really a mindset change. And you hear people say that all the time. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of hearing that. Like I need to actively know, like, what do I do to grow my business? Relax. And yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like, it really is a mindset, a mindset change from that. But it takes a lot of work yeah. to get there. I also want to call attention to that. It ain't like you can just switch this overnight and all of a sudden wake up the next day and TEDx talks are flying in and new businesses start flying in. It is a process and it's a, it's a difficult one. So I don't also want to make light of it that it's just this. Because some people do that. Like, just got to change your mindset, man. All right. No, <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? There is still a process and, and, and steps to take to change your mindset because that is a big shift. That's not a little shift. Yeah, I don't know if I can agree with that or not. That's, that's okay. like I said, that's a whole other conversation we can have because I'm almost thinking that if you prepave the path mm-hmm. with the mindset and you don't, it takes, okay, yeah, maybe I do agree. It takes some time to get your mind to go that right way. But once you start prepaving the path and you start expressing gratitude for what you see, mm-hmm. that comes pretty quickly, I think. Gratitude does change things quickly. I agree wholeheartedly with that. You can change your state that minute by being grateful 100 percent, no argument there but trying to build something and like grow a business you know it, 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 I, I don't think it can change overnight but i want to make a point about the the opinions thing is like it's totally okay for you to have actively disagreed with that because there is no absolute truth right yeah. the whole point i'm trying to make is that we all have different paths up the mountain so what is true in your experience isn't necessarily true in mine and vice versa. And that's the point. What I'm trying to do is find the people who my path and my story could help because it's not everybody. Yeah. But we are in this state right now as a culture where we want to be like, uh, actually, that's false. And it's like, no, for me and people built like me, that it's is you know, that that is a path forward. For people yeah. who have multiple passions and they can't find their way forward because they're spinning in circles, that helps. For someone who's always done one thing and they're a master at it, it's a different path. So there's yeah. no problem with disagreeing because it's like our two truths are not mutually ex- exclusive. You and know, I think I think as a TEDx speaker, um, you should put things out there where people can disagree with or can at least think. That's about. the whole point, right? It's yeah. for us to learn it's is to idea. debate and discuss. Yeah. That's the yeah. whole point. I know when I do uh, workshops, I mean, uh, pat myself on the back and I shouldn't. This is your show, but I kind of always just tell the people right at the start, don't bore me. Okay, yeah, I know you think I'm not supposed to bore you, but you will bore me if you agree with everything I say. Oh, I might have to bite that. I might have to quote you on that. That is good. Yeah, it just seems to open up the avenues for a lot of discussion. But the truth of the matter is you can't agree with everything the speaker says in front of the room. That's good. I really like that. I have a similar thing, but not as, um, I don't want to say aggressive because the the connotation there, but like it it doesn't provoke as much from them. I, I, I say something a little more muted and it doesn't work as well. Like where I'm like, hey, I want this to be interactive, speak up, et cetera. But yours is really good. I like that. But I just enjoy it <laughs> for a long time. But that's I mean, but now that's a different thing than what we should be talking about here because we should be talking about you. But I just you hey, just we're talking about us, everything. buddy. We're talking yeah. about us. Yeah, we should. Yeah, a conversation about us. Okay. <laughs> I want to know this though because I yep. think I saw something that's really powerful that you're doing. So I just want you to tell me how are you helping people right now? I mean, how are you making a difference right now with people? Couple a, a couple different ways, you know. You had mentioned pivoting when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. a little earlier uh, about, you know, you know, not being scarcity, you know, from a scarcity mindset and being uh, abundant. I had a similar thing happen where it's the speaking gigs. I just started speaking. In fact, in February 2020, I just stepped off my most recent national keynote. It was the 500 sailors for U.S. sailing. And I was like, oh, I'd only been speaking for a year. And I was just like, oh, we're do like we're good at this. Like we're killing it. And in the next month, <laughs> what happened? Like, no more live speaking <laughs> right? Gone. So at that point, I was like, I'd been thinking about coaching, and I'd really started to shape the way I view my business and, and the work that I do. And so I just put a post out there to my email followers and, and maybe social media followers. And I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm offering free. You know, we're all struggling right now. Many people have lost their jobs. I'm, I'm, and many people are trying to build a new thing. I'm offering free consulting, one-hour consulting calls, coaching calls. Let me know if you're interested ton of people were interested and a ton of people, I booked a ton of calls. And from that point on, I, I built a co- coaching portion of my business where I'm walking people through the process. We basically outlined today, the one that I have gone through myself over the past yeah, four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, I mean, I still, my, the main thing I do is, is video production and filmmaking. And so I help companies tell their stories 
to make a deeper impact on their audiences. I help them tell those stories better. And then I do a lot of speeches we've already talked about in workshops today. But the thing that has come most recently and that really lights my heart on fire, I like helping anybody make change. That one-on-one -on -one coaching, which I also have a, a course of the same package for people who can't necessarily afford one-on-one -on -one coaching. Right, right, but right. I love seeing a light bulb go off in someone else's mind, like seeing them make those connections like I had when that coach was like, well, that's kind of a unique intersection. And I let you know, finally let them come together. When I see that happen in my coaching clients, it's just like, it's, I live for that. I love that moment. That's what lights my heart on fire. And so that is, is, is basically where I'm spending my, uh, my time and energy now when I'm not doing video production and writing and speaking. And then the course is very new, um, to, to give people a, a lower price point to get the same workflow, uh, that I launched this year. And then finally the, in November, November 2nd, I have a book coming out as well to help people tell their stories better. So that will be the next thing that is coming down okay. that I'm showing up. Now, is that the uncover the story to launch? That's your that's your coaching. Your, your course. That's, yeah, it's my course, course. Exactly. And that's basically the process we talked about today. Finding your unique intersections, crafting your core belief statement, establishing your core values, your narrative voice, and then finding your ideal clients. Wonderful. Perfect, perfect, perfect beyond belief. Perfect. You know, um, hard question for you now. How do people get a hold of you? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I have to give my mom credit for this. Uh, there aren't a lot of Rain Bennett's in the world. Uh, if you if you don't uh, remember my website, which is rainbennett.com, um, you can you can Google Rain Bennett and then there's not much competition out there. So I, I thank my mom, my mom for that. But Rain Bennett on almost all social media, rainbennett.com. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Like I said, my, I'm an open book. My life is an open book. It's out there and I welcome you to come into that sphere and talk to me. I, as you hopefully mm -hmm. can tell from this conversation, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. talking about this. Yeah, I'm happy absolutely. to talk to anybody about it at absolutely. any time. Absolutely. What's the six, uh, the six second stories. What's that? Six second stories is my video pr production company, my okay. video marketing company. And so six second stories is built off of the premise of telling impactful stories in a short amount of time, which is very challenging you. for people who, who aren't expert storytellers, because now we've been tasked with social media to tell stories in 60 seconds, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, and all the way down to six seconds. It's really challenging to evoke emotion in people, which is what stories is all about, in, in six seconds. And so that's what I help people do. And then coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, that's the title of the book coming out on November 2nd. Okay, not so coincidental. Okay, great, great, great. So now here comes the real hard question for you. What question should I have asked you that I did not ask you? So what question should I have asked you that I did not ask you? Hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, that, that's a great question, thought-provoking question. I think that it would be like for those people listening, like, okay, Rain, this all sounds good. Um, you know, wh where do where do I where do I begin? Where do I start? Mm. Like if we got off the show today and I inspired somebody with what we've talked about in my story, what next? Okay. Practically, like, you know, if you're giving a speech, they like you to have key takeaways, right? What are the actionable right. takeaways? Right. So right. I'll say a, a couple things to that. I will say learn how to tell stories. There are a multitude of ways you can do that. I have a podcast. I have free storytelling tips on my website come out every Monday. I am not the only person in the storytelling space. There are a lot of different theories. And like we said earlier, there are a lot of different opinions and perspectives. And so I like a certain model. Other people have other models. But this, the basic structure is the same. Learn the structure of stories and how to tell them. And you do that and you execute that by taking action now. I just want the people to know that you oh, have... Wait. Key taking action i execute that by taking action now yes that's such a key point i want to just dwell on that for a second that's fine i love this point i say it all the time because the biggest barrier is not the information that's out there it's what's going on here here that's and it's like so. i'm not technically skilled enough uh, i don't know what good, good cameras are i don't know what i'm doing analysis paralysis imposter syndrome yada 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 etc cetera, etc cetera. it's all stories that we're telling ourselves so what I try to encourage people to do and what I help people do is understand how to 
cultivate the skill of storytelling, right? That's why I said that first. And then just start telling your stories, whatever you have access to. If all you have is your smartphone, you can use that. You don't need a, a video production company or a video camera. You have one right here. Start telling stories. Then as you go on, you will get better. You will add tools to the toolbox and then you will get better. Like we said earlier, it keeps flowing. It flows more. It will start to flow for you, but it will never flow. My friends, if you don't take action, you have all the tools you need to take action right now. I think it was Gary V who said that, uh, it's not going to be any good to do at least a hundred. And you, if you don't do a hundred, you're not ever going to get good. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. I think it was, that sounds like good. something he would yeah. say. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I interrupted with that, but that is a very powerful s step right there. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. You're not going to, you can't mess it up. I mean, if people don't like it, they don't like it. But. Yeah. I like that point about Gary. Like it's going to, it's going to, there's other writers that say the same thing. It's like, it's just about getting that first draft done. It's going to suck. Yeah. Like that's, that's the process. Every professional writer or whatever, you know, we're talking about, but let's talk about writing as an example. The first draft always sucks, even for the best of the best. Why are you any different? You're not. So get yeah. the get the crappy version done and let's keep going and make it better. But if you just sit there and like, ah, I'm scared to do it, scarcity mindset. Yes. It's never going to flow. We keep coming back to the same themes, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And because of the, the true themes of what it takes to be, in my mind, successful in business Absolutely. and successful in life. Whenever I don't care what the subject is. If you true. approach it from, I've got to clinch and hold on to it, it doesn't so work. But if you just kind of... Open, let it flow right in. I mean, that's the analogy I think that you're we're saying. You know, don't hold the fist clutch because you, nothing can get in. The second you open up your hands, everything relaxes and flows to you. Mm -hmm. This is a lot of metaphors there too. I got to make this one. You know, I used to box and 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 I used to uh, to coach boxing. And you're mm. actually weaker when you squeeze your hands. Real boxers aren't squeezing their fists, but if you see someone who's just an amateur in a street fight, they will squeeze their fist, and your body is weaker. And the, what he showed me, he illustrated, my trainer was like, if I was, he was pushing my arm down, I can't stop it from going down with my, finch, my fist clench. But when I open my hand, he couldn't move my arm. Your frame is actually stronger when you're not squeezing. That's a perfect physical example and, 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 and metaphor and it to applies, make this. And it applies so well. Mm -hmm. Relax and let go. It comes to you. And yeah, and it actually makes your structure stronger. I like that. Good, good, good. Boy, you know, we could really continue for another hour easily <laughs> on a few things. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I got to tell you, though, um, this has just been absolutely wonderful. I think it opens up many eyes to different ways of looking at doing your business. So. If it's just a, uh, the scarcity and abundance issue, just that itself. Yeah. When you start talking about, you know, hey, what's your core statement? What, what's, how are you going to craft that? and do it over and over again. Those things you discussed are just powerful. So I know we'll get a lot of what I call writable moments out of this. You know, the tweetable things, who cares, but writable, someone sits yeah. down and takes picks up a pen and says, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, hope so. Okay. You know, the leaders who listen to this, I know they're gonna share it. I have to thank you for giving us such great content today. I just really have to say thank you for that. Because it's yeah. just great content you, gave, you shared with My us. My pleasure. I appreciate All the opportunity. Right. Yeah, and I'm wait to get you again when your book comes out. Can we get you again, maybe? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The book Absolutely. and the TED Talk are both in November, early November, so that that would be good. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just to throw a little um, as a warning to everybody else, if you don't have a TED Talk, you better be as dynamic as uh, Mr. Bennett is. <laughs> I mean, that's the purpose of this is to dissect a TED Talk. But you can see he has a he's dynamic. He's strong. He knows what he's doing. So it's easy to interview him. Thank you. If you don't have one, don't worry about it yet. Get one. And then, <laughs> then let's talk. I, don't, I will interview anybody who has a TED Talk or, you know, if you're a subject matter expert in the leadership. So that's just when I, I got to tell you guys, when I first spoke with him, I said, that's too much information to pass up to wait till November. Let's just do it now. <laughs> so so that's just perfect. Perfect. That's funny. All right. Thanks again very much. I appreciate your time. I really do. Absolutely. Thank you for connecting with us here at Touchstone Publishers. Please join our group Essential Leadership Skills and share your leadership knowledge with us all.